Welcome to the audio ministry of Grove Park Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina. We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn to Isaiah chapter 50. We continue our journey through the calendar today, and on this Sunday, the lectionary gives two tasks, two opposing paths that we can take. You, you can do the liturgy of the palms, and so we have in our seats this morning uh, palm branches to commemorate our Lord's triumphal entry, but there is also the liturgy of the Passion. Among that is this text, and so we're going this morning to continue a theme that we've already been working with, suffering, as we take our text in Isaiah 50. Would you pray with me? Father, we do come weary, weary from the trials of life, weary from, Lord, so much that has confounded us and confronted us, and we just seek to hear from you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would break the silence this morning. Speak gladly into our hearts that we could know what it is that you are wishing to do in our lives. Father, bless me with the words that are needed for all those who have joined together this morning as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. As I just stated, we continue our journey to the cross by returning once more to the subject of suffering this morning and how we can enhance our witness to a world that magnifies the trivial by terming it suffering while following the example of Jesus and truly suffering well. To do so, we should look at one of the scriptures that would have played a critical role in Jesus' formation as the suffering servant that Mark's gospel recounts. Isaiah 50 contains the third of four passages that are known collectively as the servant songs. The most well-known being Isaiah 53 and its vivid portrayal of the crucifixion approximately 600 years before that fateful Friday occurred. 
The first, Isaiah 42, recounts the imparting of the Spirit on God's servant and his call to establish justice in the world. Isaiah 49 tells of the servant's discouragement in the face of opposition and how despite that opposition, he is instructed by God to declare the word so that God's salvation goes and is extended to the ends of the earth. Isaiah 50 then serves to answer some of the perennial questions that those who suffer often utter. One of the questions that is answered is the simple question of why is this happening? Anyone who has ever suffered mightily in a particular situation often asks themselves this question. We, often very, we very often make the bold proclamation that God is silent in these situations because we do not perceive Him answering us. And in doing so, in making that thought that he is silent, the text tells us this morning that we make a grave error. Isaiah tells us that God is never silent. Notice verses 4 through 5. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. Did you catch that? God is never silent. The problem isn't him. It's us. How often do we turn a deaf ear to what God is saying because we simply do not like it? God chooses not to answer our direct question, so we believe that He is mute on all other subjects to which He is speaking when that is far from the case. Let us understand a couple of things. First, our persistent search for a reason to why bad things happen in our life will produce a narrow vision of life that causes us to get lost in the weeds of suffering, creating a continuous feedback loop that seems impossible to escape. Suddenly, as we're trying to figure out why this happened, we find ourselves suffering again and again, and it just seems to magnify itself. We must learn to rest in the fact that we may never know, we may never know, why we had to endure the things that we have endured to suffer the things that we have suffered. I think very often it would hurt us more to know the reasons why we have gone through something than to remain ignorant. For if we understood that the reason why some things happen is that more often than we would like to admit, people are either just so broken that they feel they have to inflict hurt on other people. Or even worse, they are just that evil. 
that it would likely cause us to withdraw from the world than to perpetually place ourselves in the world as the reconcilers and peacemakers God has called us to be. Remember from the text that the servant states that he does not draw back. Literally, he never turns back from what he is called to do. Our task is to go forward. We can't think that we're going to suffer continuously and thereby withdraw. We must keep going. And so now let's take it a step farther. I would say that I am confident that when we get to heaven, it's not going to matter anymore. Heaven is a place of healing. And when we get there, the scars of suffering will no longer exist because they will be healed. They will be healed. And so even when we say, well, I'll figure it out when I get there, let's don't even think about that. Let's just say when I get there, God's there and I'll be fine. He's there and I'll be fine. Therefore, we must learn to do as the servant does in our passage this morning. And no longer put up a rebellious front. We must surrender to the grace of God in all things to sustain us. Including when he doesn't answer the questions we won't answer Secondly, we must remember to always have an attentive ear to what God is saying to us. Not for our personal edification, but that we may be able to sustain those who are weary around us like the servant did in verse 4. In other words, maybe the reason we perceive God to be silent in our suffering is that we are withholding the sustaining word for a fellow sufferer. And because we are withholding that word, we are not receiving from them the word that would sustain us. Now once again, let's take that a step farther. And say that we had best be careful that when we speak to those who are weary... We should speak with an instructed tongue and not simply a wagging tongue. I think that sometimes we believe that God is silent because we cannot believe that such an awesome God who spoke all of creation into existence by the words that came from his mouth responds to our immense pain and suffering in our souls with something trite. Like everything happens for a reason. Hang in there. God has a plan. Or my personal favorite. God does not put more on you than you can bear. So buck up, buttercup. I always want to respond back to people when they say that to me, that if they knew how thin the ice I was standing on and they're standing there talking to me, they wouldn't say that because when the ice breaks, they're going to fall with me. Beloved, we must learn to speak the word that God gives us and not the words we feel compelled to say to fill the silent void. 
I was speaking to a dear friend one time about their ongoing struggle with depression. They had had their first serious bout of depression late in life, near the end of their career, in fact. And I said, how did you get through it? And they told me that they got through it because their best friend came to visit them every day. They could barely function. They could barely get out of bed. They didn't do any of the things that they once did in the service of the kingdom. They could not function. But what happened was their best friend came and saw them every day for about an hour. And they just sat on the couch together and said nothing. Nothing. No words were exchanged. They were just present together. Because sometimes, beloved, the loudest, most instructed word you and I can say is to simply be present and mute. And to say to our friend and to our neighbor, by our presence, I am here. Therein we find an answer to the second question that often plagues us most. In the middle of all this trial, in the middle of all this suffering, where is God? Our suffering is made all the worse because we feel so dreadfully alone. We may have friends who will come alongside us. But in the end, it's all us by ourselves. I do not imagine that the, the suffering that the servant is undergoing in verse 6 of the text is received in some mass persecution setting. He says, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. He says, I wasn't in this with a group of people. They weren't pulling out all of our beards. There's no, there's no plural pronouns here. He says, my, I. He is alone. And yet the servant knows that he is not alone. For in the very same breath, in verses 7 and 8, he says, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? You know, very often we think, that because something bad has happened, God is absent. We live under the false notion that if God were really present with us, then the bad thing that we are suffering with or from would not have happened. So now, for a moment, let us go back. Let's go back to Calvary. And ask ourselves this question. On that Friday afternoon as the world grew dark, the pain of the suffering Christ grew more acute and louder. How did Mary feel? How did Mary feel? You know, very often 
at Christmas time, we will sing Mary Did You Know with all of its lyrics and we will feel as the builds to the crescendo of the great I am all those warm tingles as we think of that little baby and think how wonderful it must have been for Mary. But just for a moment, let us imagine what Mary's song would be if it was written on Good Friday. Part of me believes it has to be titled, Mary, Was It Worth It? Mary, was it worth it? Mary, as you see your firstborn son dying like a common criminal between two thieves, was it worth it? Was it worth the shame you felt being an unwed mother? Was it worth all the whispers that you heard as you walked down the street alone as they questioned your virtue and your faith? Mary, was it worth it when you heard your son question, Who is my mother? But the one who does the will of God. And then he pointed to his disciples and not to you and said, Here are my mothers. Here are my mother and brothers. Mary, did you think then? I did the will of God, and that's what got me into this mess. Where are all those other jokers? I'm here now. Oh, Mary, was it worth it? Was it worth it? You who so mightily felt the overshadowing presence of the Most High God, was it worth it as you stand here next to John and watch your greatest hope all of your great hopes for your life, for his life, for all of the people of Israel. You watch that hope die before you. Mary, where is your God now? We might think that Mary's response would skip ahead in the song. That somewhere in the last verse we would hear Mary cry, Oh yes, it was worth it. As she watched in the empty tomb and saw that her son had rose from the dead. And if we think that, if we skip ahead, I think we have misrecorded the song. For I think her answer is, Oh yes, it was. She wasn't feeling alone as she stood there that day. Yes, it is worth it, still she says. As she hears Jesus entrust her care into the hands of his beloved disciple John. For there, in all of her questions about her future survival, for all the doubts about whether she was sane when she heard Gabriel's announcement, she again feels the presence of God who helped and who sustained her thus far in her life once again overwhelm her from the cross as Christ utters to John, Behold your mother. She, therefore, on this most inauspicious of days, 
is not disgraced as the text here in Isaiah alludes to. She is not alone. She is vindicated. Beloved, let us no longer ask where is God because something bad is happening. But let us look and say here is God in the midst of trouble because we are being sustained. Because we are being vindicated. Because we are not ever devoid of grace. But we are constantly floating in the mighty current of God's grace, peace, and love. Let us do as Isaiah calls for and stand side by side with God here in the text. With our face set like flint, like an immovable stone toward that which he is calling us to, knowing that we will never falter with him by our side. Verse 10 tells us, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Are you doing that today? Are you relying on God? Literally that word relying means to lean into for support. Are you leaning into God for support? We're told to not lean into our own understandings, but to trust Him in Proverbs. Are you doing that? Are you trusting in who He is? Remembering that the name of God which we are to hold on to in verse 10 means that we are to hold on to the very character of God. So are you trusting in Elohim? Are you trusting in the Creator God to create a path out of your darkness where you don't think there could be any path where there could never be light? Are you trusting in that God who once upon the time in the midst of mass chaos stepped out into time and said, let there be light and suddenly there was light? Are you trusting Him to make that path for you today? Are you trusting in Jehovah Jireh, believing that God will provide everything that you need because He is the God who provides. He is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That He is the God who thinks so much about things you and I think so great about that He uses it for asphalt in heaven. Are you trusting and leaning into Emmanuel? At every moment where you feel alone and frightened like you feel like a leaf that is dangling on the end of a fall tree about to fall. You trust Him as Emmanuel knowing that God is with us and that He will keep you attached to the tree. And keep you sustained in life. Are you holding on to Jesus? Holding on to Jesus, knowing Him to be the God who saves. And know that no matter how dark, He has overcome and conquered all. For when we do this, beloved, 
we know that ultimately whatever we are facing, whatever we are suffering from and with will no longer overwhelm us and could not overwhelm us from the start. The end of verse 9 states, Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. And therein we find what quite possibly is our final question and the answer to it. How long? How long? How long can this go on? How long, O oh Lord, must I suffer? How long, God, will this night that never ends ever break forth into a glorious dawn? I know very often in my own life when faced with depressive episodes that even at the point where the episode is about to turn into, into a better day, I still think this will never, ever end. I will still be in the dark. But beloved, hear the text again this morning. Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. All of the oppressors, all those things which are coming against us to cause us to suffer will one day wear themselves out. Because the grace of God will keep us past the point where their hate, where their animosity, where their evil will ultimately unravel. And so we hold on knowing, knowing beyond anything that the end will come. And at the end, you and I, because of this suffering servant will be victorious. I realize though, I realize that for those going through a difficult time, this is still not words that are needed, that, 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 that resonate as they should probably. Because so very often when we are suffering, what our mind knows and what our heart feels are two entirely different things and it seems like there's a vast chasm between the two. So I want to return to the beginning of the text this morning. Return to the beginning of the text where it says, morning by morning he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. I want to encourage you on a final point. And that is that in the silence, ask God to whisper to you. But ask God to whisper to you like a child. What do I mean by that? Scarlett hasn't really attained all of the great skills she needs to whisper well. And so when she whispers something in your ear, it really is like a lot of heavy breathing. And it tickles. And so she could be whispering something 
It is mightily important, but I'm still going to laugh because it tickles as it comes into my ear. Beloved, what you might need today is God sustaining you by some simple fact like this. Whatever He needs to say to you, it should just tickle your ears and bring joy to your soul. Because you would need to hear again that He's there, that He loves you, that His grace knows no end, His presence unfolds, He is not silent, and He is not silent because over all of it, He has already declared the end of it and your victory. That's what the cross is. That is ultimately what is at the heart of the cross. Is the declaration to the child of God that suffering and pain and sorrow have all been taken upon the cross and that the edict of its end has been declared. That even the thing that we fear the most that will ultimately embrace us all. Death on the cross. Death's death date was pronounced. And for the child of God, there is victory. I have a secret. God, I know that many of us don't feel like winners. We feel like we're losing. We're losing a battle. We're losing a war. We've lost hope. We've lost trust. We may have lost vision. So, Lord, today I pray that you would whisper into us the sustaining word. Sustaining word that enables us to go and whisper to others who are in similar conditions. But Lord, if, if it is so dark, if it is so dark that we can't even hear, may we feel your presence and thereby be lightened to the path of on our journey. Lord, speak loudly to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit Grove Park Church. Dot net. And remember, grace abound.
Thank you.